hey, this is Brian Hargrove from Public Enemy, and I never listened to I Doubt It with Dollamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Joining us, episode 702 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore. Joined today, as I always am, by the lovely, talented, scholarly Brittany Page. I had a realization uh, as you were preparing the uh, microphones. <laughs> as, as we were, what is it called? Leading up to the... Anyway, you don't prepare the microphones. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know either. I really don't know what you're talking about. We haven't talked (laughs) at all about the Thanksgiving episode. Oh, yeah. Normally. Holy shit. Yeah, normally. Think of what we normally do. We start priming the audience. My mind is blown right now. Think about that. That's the first fucking time I've even thought about the Thanksgiving episode. Yeah. Since last year. And yeah. maybe it's because last year was such a pain in the fucking ass to get submissions that I'm I'm off of it. Oh. I, I mean, I don't know. I, maybe that's it. But also just the stress of of everyday life now. Yeah, I thought it was the... For me, it's the year. I. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's very likely what it is. But that's crazy to me. Yeah, that I sure. hadn't even. Wow. So, are we going to do it? Should we do it? I tell you, we'll just throw it out to the audience. We, <laughs> I mean, after you viciously complained about it just now. Well, I, I viciously complained last year. Yeah, that's, that's true. not a new thing. That's true. I was bitching and complaining every single time. Yeah. we were begging for respondents. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Well, and let's talk about what it is for people who maybe joined us this year as new listeners. Every year we've done a Thanksgiving episode where we invite listeners to send in voicemails and voice memos talking about what they're thankful for that year. And they don't use their names. They're all anonymous submissions. It's designed to be very positive and uplifting. People cannot talk about how they're thankful for us in the messages because that's not the point of it. It's really to reflect on life that happened during that year and to take lessons away from things that happened. And every year it's a really moving uplifting, powerful episode. We, yeah, we yeah, design yeah. it to be family friendly. We're like, we talk about positive news stories only. We don't talk about politics. We don't, we don't say naughty words yeah, on the no, episode. There's no bummers. It's, it's an uplifting, family friendly, positive, right? you know, kumbaya kind of a thing. With the goal of people listening to it, like while they're cooking together, while they're eating together, whatever it might be. So, If the listeners are interested in doing something like that again, I know 2020 has been a hell year, but I'm sure that there are things we can still look at this year and find some thankfulness. It might be kind of a therapeutic exercise. It might be healthy. It might be necessary. Yeah. More necessary this year than, I mean, I'm kind of selling it now. Look at you. You really um, turned around on it real quick. You know, I I have a soft spot for the episode. You do. That's why it bummed me out. Anyway, I won't 
bitch and complain forever. But mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you guys want that, let us know. Um, 657-464-7609. Email us. They, um, that's the wrong email address. Uh, I doubt it at dollamore.com. <laughs> uh, you can uh, get, get at us on Twitter at I doubt it podcast on Instagram at I doubt it podcast. Just all the different ways. Get with us. We'll keep a tally and, uh, See, yeah. see, maybe we'll put a poll, one of those polls up on Twitter. For sure. Yeah. And see what people say. I I love what just happened to you with you almost dropped the Dollamore Daily email address, right? Yeah. That <laughs> yeah. happens to me all the time where I'm I'm juggling which number I'm trying to give. Is it my work number? Is it my cell phone number? Is it the I doubt it line? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's just too many things to remember at one time. I also want to say to anyone who may hear a dog whining in the background, that would be because I made the mistake of bringing strawberries into this room, which is a mistake in and of itself. When am I going to have time to snack during this? You find a, you'll find a time. I won't. It never happens. But I brought them in here, and Popeye is a snack fiend. Anytime he sees... Especially fruit. Anytime he sees a snack, he loses his mind. And so he has been fixated for the last 15 minutes. He's been sitting here staring at the plate. With the occasional high-pitched yelp. Yeah, so... To let you know, he's there. He's fine, he's just whiny, <laughs> if you hear it in the background. I'm sorry. All right. Well, listen, uh, let's let's have that be the intro. It was going to be something else, but let's have it be that. <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up. I mean, look, we're at the... We're we're rounding the corner into November right now. Mm-hmm. Eh, it's good. I'm I'm glad you. I'm, when did that come up for you? Just now. I I I gasped, and you looked at me with a dirty look because I was disrupting the audio, and it just came oh, to me all of a sudden. Is that what the the noise was when I shot you a glance? Like, hey, I'm getting the sound signature here exactly. for the room. The sound signature, prepping the mics. Yes, exactly. Sound signature of the room. You wow! It's amazing you figured it out. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, speaking of the phone numbers and the way to contact us, let's get to some listener communication before we move on with the rest of this ridiculous, ridiculous show. So la- let me preface some of these calls. Last week, last week, uh, a few days ago on the show, our last episode, episode seven hundred one, I talked about having been in the post office and a lady was being a racist jerk off to. One of the counter workers, one of the post office employees. And in the midst of her ranting said, I don't know what country you're from. To which there was an audible groan in the lobby of the post office. And I was less low key. I said, hey, oh, we don't need that racist trash. And then, you know, things spiraled from there. And I was not present for this, by the way. I don't think I said that last time, but was not oh, present. Right. Yeah, it was just me. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we, we got uh, fewer calls than I thought we would, but uh, here, are, here are a couple. Big, titanium-laced, gold-covered brass balls you got, man, for calling that person out. This is Mr. Rock calling from Germany. Just, just need to say that. I was listening to that shit, man. I was, I was fucking dead there about to crash my truck, about to just smile so fucking hard my eyes were watering, man. Because shit like that happens way too often where some people just, like, put their head down and, and whatever, and they might speak up about it later. Shit like that just needs to be called out immediately because just 
horse shit shouldn't fly, man, because then it ends up on everybody. Good shit. Mr. Rock from Germany. Yeah, you know, I don't... Um definitely that shit happens more often than it should. And definitely people need to speak up when they see it. And I don't know what it is, but there's something in my DNA that doesn't, I don't cower from the conflict. Now I'm less conflict. What's the opposite of conflict averse? Conflict driven. Yeah. Conflict agreeable. I mean, I'm less than I used to be. Used to like almost, almost like I'm looking for it. I'm not looking for it anymore because I don't need to be a spectacle anywhere. But um, even I've told stories about being in Starbucks and somebody's being an asshole. And I'm always the loud guy who's like, hey, hey, nobody thinks you're cute right now. Everyone thinks you're an asshole. I'm that guy who, you know, so it's not brass balls. It's not anything other than it's unacceptable I'm watching someone get abused who's in a position to not fight back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't give anybody... Maybe somebody would have said something, hadn't I? But anyway. Yeah. Seriously, we should all be aspiring to do the thing that was the the necessary thing in that moment. Well, I think if, if it happened more often, you would see people behaving that way much less in public you because would they, they so. would be afraid, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they would be afraid that people are going to turn on them. I, although I don't know if this woman will next time she gets very upset when someone asks her if, if they would like, if she would like some stamps at the end of their <laughs> interaction. It is, you know, on further reflection, it's yeah. a pretty offensive question. Oh boy. Yeah. Book Re- of stamps. You'd say, yeah, <laughs> really wasting her time. It's 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 a travesty. Well, you know, rich white ladies who are, you know, hanging out in their yoga pants during the day. That's very serious. She's got a lot of important stuff she needed to get to. Hopefully she will have second thoughts next time. You would think that. But how many people are still when the cell phone flips on acting like maniacs? Yeah, that is something that doesn't compute for me. That's something (laughs) that does not makes sense at all it does not compute yeah i mean if you see see a phone come out and you're angry it just seems like you would be able to use that run away yeah use that to reflect on what's actually happening right now and understand that you're going to be the next what is it barbecue barbara or something becky i think she was yeah well i just made a new one they're they're barbecuing with charcoal in the park Anyway, uh, Mr. Rock from Germany, thanks for the call. We appreciate it very much. Next up. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, it's Austin from Boise. Just calling in because I'm listening to your latest episode, 701. Uh, Pause it right in the middle. Just because it's something you guys were were talking about towards the beginning. um, About how the work that you do and the platform that you hold bears a great emotional weight at times and I just wanted to recognize that the emotional labor that I've seen you put into the podcast and everything else that you do is tremendous and the fact that you need to take a break sometimes is completely warranted and I certainly encourage you to do that. It's it's also funny to me that 
the effect that your material, both through your podcast and through YouTube, Jesse, um, has the opposite effect for me, from my perspective. Um, frequently when I'm feeling down or bummed out or, or frustrated with the world and the state of things right now, um, you know, I, I look to see if there's an, if there's new content, if there's a new podcast episode, if there's an, a new YouTube video, whatever it may be. And, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm bummed out when there's not, but I completely understand that you have to take care of you. And so I, I guess what I'm saying is I absolutely appreciate everything that you do. And I want you to know that the work and labor that you put into these episodes is... It, it pays off. It, it it buoys my spirits in times when I don't feel like I can go on. Um, you know, it's right now it's three o'clock, three o six in the morning, Mountain Standard Time, and I just got off work at the at the bar that I work at, and I was elated to see that there's a new episode. So I love you guys very much. Um, yeah, please. Always take care of yourselves first, and I always look forward to hearing your voices. Bye. Well, what do you say to that? Uh, other than we love Austin. Austin's been, uh, well, as a personal friend of Jesse's and mine, and he is a long-term supporter of the show, listener yeah, yeah. of the show, and uh, just an all-around good person, works with the Inclusive Idaho the organization that I see you repping a lot of merch for lately, Jesse D. You have a sticker on your bulletin board in the background of your YouTube videos. Yeah, you have a hat. You don't wear hats, but you have one. Yeah, you know, I've bought more hats in the last two months than I've bought in the last ten years. Starting a hat collection. A hat collection. You know what they need to do, though, Inclusive Idaho? Hmm. Little little unsolicited advice is have a sticker that's... Like a bumper sticker shape. Oh, yeah. Because no one can see what the fuck that is on my on my mm. on my little um, board there in yeah. the videos. Yeah, your letter board. If they had a big one that read across, like inclusive Idaho, eh, people would uh, like, oh, what is that? Google and yeah. then look. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I I really appreciate this message from Austin because it's a good reminder for us for sure. Um, not everyone has Austin's approach here i will say yeah we, we get uh harangued sometimes for not if we're taking a f just a f look i i look, let, let me just say this i know you have a thought here um over the course of seven years there has been maybe three times in all of those seven years three separate weeks where no episode got posted mm-hmm very rarely, very, it almost never happens. Usually what we'll do is do one and then something will come up and not do a second. Mm -hmm. We're doing two episodes a week. And in this political climate, that is, uh, sometimes it can be too much. 
Well, and this is your full-time job. So even when we're not doing the episode, Jesse, you and I are talking about what your video is going to be, what the approach to the video is going to be, what you're going to cover, what you're going to talk about, gathering resources for that. So we're talking about politics then, and then we start prepping the show, we're getting all that together, then we do a show. And I mean, we don't have a script when we do the show, but we have topics, we have video clips, we have different things that we've put into some semblance of an order <laughs> that we right. feel is we try to follow going to be useful <laughs> and beneficial. So, yeah, it does involve quite a bit of attachment to the news of the day, which can be quite overwhelming and that's why people often take breaks from it, right? They turn off alerts on their phone. They take a break from watching the news. They turn the TV off. They turn their phone off. But that's not something that you can do all the time because that's how you make money. Well, look, so, there, there's a reason why John Stewart back in the day and John Oliver now take weeks long vacations several throughout the year. <laughs> because listen, this isn't just straight reporting of the news. We're passionate about these topics. And we do want to bring you some value. And when things are bad, we want to lift you up. We do want to buoy your spirits. That's something that we are. We are passionate and and dedicated to. And I'm glad it happens for Austin. Absolutely. But in pursuit of that goal, Mm -hmm. something gets taken out of us when we are, when it's a do or die, no matter what, we've got to get it out. Well, sometimes those, it just builds and builds and builds. There's a toxicity, especially in the age of Trump, that cannot be avoided and we need to do a political cleanse, I guess, you know? <laughs> anyway. Maybe this is why so many people with prominent platforms just sit around and talk about mindless shit for hours. There's a lot of them. Maybe because that's more more joyful for them, personally. Right? Yeah. You know, you know how many fucking unboxing channels there are on YouTube? <laughs> they got the new iPhone. You Here's know what? what the box looks like. I, I think we have a rebrand coming. A rebrand <laughs> of the Dollamore channel. We're going to do right. unboxing. We're going to do one chip challenge only. Oh, yeah. We're going to do toy reviews. You can start mm. reviewing toys. That would look really great. An adult grown man reviewing toys. I think yeah. there's a market for that. <laughs> a big market for that. Yeah. Anyway, Austin, we love you very much. Thank you, brother, so much for for all of the years of your friendship and your your dedication to the show, the times you've been on, and for all of you out there who 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 agree or or um, Austin's touching a nerve w- with you. So uh, we we love you guys very 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 much. All right, uh, next, Kelly from New England. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. It's Kelly from New England. Um, so I was thinking about what you guys were talking about in the last episode with uh, Judge Barrett and her black children and her interesting ruling that the N-word is not hostile. Um, but putting that aside, I'm going to uh, give you a quick little anecdote about our 17th president, Andrew Jackson. So in 1813, uh, the, the Creek Civil War is going on in the Creek Indigenous Nations. And the Red Sticks uh, massacre, like, hundreds of people at Fort Mims in Mississippi Territory, what's now Alabama. Jackson rides in with the Tennessee militia, and he basically slaughters everyone. Hundreds of people are killed. He finds a toddler on the battlefield, a creek toddler, and adopts him. And um, 
then he raises him as his own son, and then he dies at age 15 from TB. He names him Linkoya. He and his wife Rachel are devastated, and he points to that for the rest of his life as proof that he is not uh, too cruel to the Native people because I have a Native American son, so I can't possibly. So if you believe that Andrew Jackson wasn't racist because he had a Native American son, that is an interesting choice. And I hope you guys like rum because I am sending you rum. Okay, love the show. What? I am excited for that. The rum is the best part. <laughs> God damn. Kelly, what a nice little well, it's I mean it's, I'm surprised right now, but what I what we're going to get rum? And what a horrific anecdote. Yes. Or as they would say, as uh Ainsley Earhart says, what about the country? majority? Okay, the I'm majority so tired of protecting the minority. What a horrifying antidote. Hmm. She called it an antidote one time. Interesting. Not anecdote. Yeah. Uh, Life and, to and me yeah. is hard. And yes, it is a bullshit thing to say, I have black kids, therefore I cannot be a racist. I have relatives that are, well, no, you're fine. You're one of the good ones. You hear that all the time. We'll say that to who? No, I'm saying I've heard my relatives when I was a kid talk about how they're not racist and... Talk about, you know, I've got a black friend or whatever. They're yeah. one of the good ones. Yeah. I've heard that phrase. You've heard that phrase. No. You're one, probably not from your family because none of them are the good ones. Yeah. I. It's interesting. I can't think of a time when I heard that phrase. But we definitely had uh, people of color who would hang out at the house when we would have the... Um, I don't know what else to describe them as, but the, the shirtless front yard boxing matches. Yeah. The skinheads would come over and everyone would get drunk in the garage and then they would like have fight nights in the front yard. And I lived in a neighborhood, like a, a regular neighborhood, like a suburban neighborhood. Correct. And Yikes. the neighbors were horrified that oh, this would happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know what that was about. I don't know how to explain that, but I, I don't remember hearing the phrase, but I remember knowing that they were not white. They were different. They were other, even though they were at the house. Yeah. And there's no way for anyone to say your parents weren't racist. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were members of Aryan nation and consorted with people of color right oh yeah. of course of course and they would be respectful they they could turn that on it was like a flip of a switch of course so yeah i, I don't it's buy a non, it it's a nonsense argument yeah and people who make the argument i'm suspicious of because i wonder what they're trying to hide yeah yeah, yeah. honestly absolutely kelly as always Another long time listener to mm -hmm. the program. Yeah, who has sent us, by the way, not ju much. not just rum, but yes, too much books. Half of this bookshelf that I'm looking at right now in the studio may be books that she has sent us. Yeah, well, what I've I've said for a long time that the way to my heart is books or booze, mm -hmm. and Kelly has. <laughs> I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches. Yeah. in here you're getting you're getting treated. <laughs> yes. All right, last voicemail, and then we're moving on. Hi, you guys. It's James from Atlanta. There's a lot that has happened since the last time that I left you guys a voice memo back in December. Uh, the pandemic has hit everyone hard, obviously. I personally am an entertainer. I do a lot of my work as live performance, and that's been gone since March. I've had no government assistance. I have been 
almost completely unemployed for several months. I lost my home because of COVID. I'm living in my car. It's not as bad as it might sound. I've actually sort of fitted my car out with a bed and a shelving unit, made it into like a miniature camper. I essentially am glamping, but I know there are a lot of people out there who aren't going to be able to do the things that I've done with my car. I, I have a, an advantage over some people in that respect. I also have white skin, which grants me the social privilege to be able to live in my car where some people can't. So I'm really concerned about all those people who are going to be suffering far worse than I am when, uh, when it happens for them, because the economy is just going to get worse before it gets better. I mean, so many sectors of the economy being shut down for so long, it's, it's going to have a huge impact and we just haven't seen it yet. We're in the preamble as it were, I suppose. But, um, I'm really concerned that Trump is going to win again, to be honest. I live in Georgia and it's a red state. So I probably see a lot more Trump people than some people do, but I'm also concerned that just knowing the way sort of suburbia works, there's this like unspoken fear of cities. Like you don't go down there cause you're going to get hurt. So these people, I have no doubt are going to buy into the fear narrative that Donald Trump is pushing. They're quiet. They don't talk about it, do polls. I just have a feeling there's a large swath of Americans who are not talking about it, but they're going to go out in numbers and they're going to vote for Donald Trump because they're afraid of this fictitious narrative that uh, violence is coming to get them. And I think it's going to work, unfortunately. I like the polling. I wish the polling were more accurate, but I just think the polling polls people who are active, you know, and all those people who are sort of almost apolitical or just run down the gamut of their side when they vote. They just select everyone with an R next to their name, but they don't really pay attention to politics. They just were born and raised Republicans, so that's what they're going to do. I have a feeling a lot of those people are going to show out. It makes me nervous. Um, I'm just worried about it, especially because voting is so difficult for so many people. And there's so many people who feel disenfranchised by that or feel disenfranchised by the nominee. And uh, I don't know. I just, I fear that we may be losing our democracy. Anyway, on happier times, I have my health. Well, I hope you guys are doing well. Um, and uh, I would like to say somebody is the best part, but it's clear that, you know, without one, you don't do the show. That just proves that there's no best. Because if Brittany was true, the best part, she'd do shows by herself. If Jesse was the best part, he would do this show by himself. I can't count your YouTube show. That's different, bro. Sorry. Bye <laughs> bye. Keep, keep on farting, man. You do your thing. <laughs> All right. You guys be well. We just got dominated by logic I, on that best part. There's no way I could do this show by myself. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Same. Same. Do not have the chops for that. Yeah. Yeah. No no Rush Limbaugh's here. Um, shout out to James, who is going through a very, very difficult situation. But in his voice, I mean, I don't know what you heard, but it sounded like hopeful it sounded impossibly positive. 
Yeah, I mean, he had concerns about the country. What what was interesting is that he he described very difficult personal circumstances, but he spent most of the time discussing the plight of others and yeah, yeah, yeah. how the country is going to be impacted should Donald Trump be reelected. And that's that's pretty incredible. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh emotion stirring. Yeah. So James Stay in touch. Uh, let us know if if we can be helpful in some way to you. Um, we hope that things turn around f- for you. Uh, I am enraged with the government that they have failed so many. I don't know if you saw this headline going around. Both sides. Eight million Americans slipped into poverty yeah. amid coronavirus pandemic, new study says. While Congress takes vacations and Nancy Pelosi goes on with Wolf Blitzer and tries to chastise him for saying, hey, people are hurting. She's a, he, People are begging for food in the streets. Are you feeding them? Are you feeding them, Wolf? <laughs> yeah. Fucking do something. Yeah. Just because you don't get everything that you're that is necessary, cut a deal to get the individual Americans some relief. Nancy fucking Pelosi. Well, it reminds me of Chuck Schumer saying today of Dianne Feinstein and the criticism that she received following the Amy Coney Barrett hearing. Yeah. uh, That he had a long, hard talk with her. (laughs) I'm sure. Oh, no. A long, hard talk. Um, I saw a tweet that said that and I was cracking up. But this headline. He he lectured like she's like 88 years old. He's lecturing uh, uh, an almost... What would it be? What's the next octogenarian? What's the next one? Whatever the next one is. Yeah. I mean, come on. So 8 million Americans slipped into. I want to I go back to that because they're using this phrase slipped into. I'm sorry. Passive. Yeah. No. The government failed and people were pushed into poverty. Yeah. They were pushed into poverty because they don't have jobs. They don't have the ability to go out and get jobs because there are no jobs, because the economy shut down, because the economy had to shut down, by the way. And if you still have people in your lives that are pointing to the numbers of deaths as a result of the coronavirus and comparing it to the flu, what are you going to do with those people? I mean, they're unreachable, right? Because (laughs) we shut down everything. Everyone stayed home for months. Right? And, and if they hadn't that, hadn't that happened, imagine what the death toll would be right now. And people are still wearing masks. People are still social distancing. Not everybody, right? There's some Not dicks enough. out there, but most people. Uh, uh, no, I, I've heard it's like 50%. Oh. <laughs> I, I can't verify those numbers, but th- th- those are, that, that comes to mind. Yeah. Well, that's concerning. It's, it's certainly not enough. Yeah. So... Anyway, we're getting off on different tangents here. The point is the government has truly failed. And I, on behalf of James and the millions of people who are now struggling with food insecurity, uh, have unstable housing, there's so much pain out there. And it's just not, not enough. There's not enough being done. And... Food pantries cannot pick up the slack. They just can't. They themselves say that. They say that they cannot do what they need to do. They cannot feed the millions of people they need to feed without SNAP, without right. without government assistance. And it's just frustrating that so many people are in this position and, and no one is no one is helping. And we have the Trump administration on, on one side of this trying to cut SNAP benefits 
trying to to bolster and fatten the pockets of billionaires and your your ruling class and then you have democrats rolling over and not fighting hard enough and some of this some of this very well could be election year politics in play they don't want to give the republicans a win so they're going to fight tooth and nail and then after the election and we're seeing this even with 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 uh, Mitch McConnell he doesn't foresee a vote anytime pre-election right and then once it's determined who's going to be the next president all right then we'll then we'll talk that's fucking bullshit it's untenable it's cruel they're fucking ghouls well, and you also heard about the Harvest Box, right? Uh, kind of hearkening back to government cheese. Yeah, I, and, I was a recipient of government cheese. Yeah, Donald Trump wants to give out the Harvest Box, um, which would be like a box with dry goods and canned goods, things like that. Did I, Am I right? Did I read that he also wants to have a letter signed by him in there, too? That's what I was getting at, exactly. Oh, uh, fucking cock. So it's not about... The people that need those resources. Right. It's always about him. It always comes back to him. Look yeah. at me, everybody. Look what I'm doing for I, you. The reason you're eating is because of me. I am responsible. Right. It's disgusting. Yeah. And to a lesser degree, that shit happens on the other side. Mm-hmm. Which, get ready. Again, get ready, folks. Because when Joe Biden gets elected, there's going to be a lot of pushing. A lot of trying to organize and get people to be active to get this administration to, the, to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Which, let's start with that on the other side of the break. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. We would like to thank our latest Patreon supporter, Gary D. Gary D. Thank you so much to Gary D. And all of our current Patreon supporters, we very much appreciate you and could not do this without your support. We're having Patreon hangouts. Please do not forget. We've talked about them almost every episode because we want you to be fully prepared that they are happening. So they're always at the end of the month, the last Friday and the last Saturday at the end of the month. Marcus. How dare you, sir? Friday, October 30th at 7 p.m. Pacific time and Saturday, October 31st, Halloween, 11 a.m. Pacific time. So we get a different mix right? A nighttime call, a morning call, get to have fun times. Please do not come to the call and expect us to do a live show. The purpose of the Hangouts is for the community to come together. Uh, and bullshit. Yeah. Talk about what's going on with you. Talk about the weather, whatever you want to talk about. We'll talk about it. Talk about my impending surgery. Sure. Which I did. We didn't. We, that could have been the intro. You're Look at you. You're coming up with all kinds of intros now. <laughs> Shitting on the intro that I picked. You didn't pick it. it. It was impromptu. It did. It just appeared in my brain. So thank you to everybody for supporting us. We very much appreciate it. We love you guys. All right. Before the aforementioned, the promised uh, marker of Joe Biden really running to the right, let's talk about this PRRI 
uh, the, these polling numbers. Pew 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 pew. You know, I don't. Any time I get a chance to play it, I'm playing it. I don't think that Robert P. Jones appreciates that we're talking about the Public Religion Research Institute's data, and you're playing the Pew Research Center drop. Listen, I don't have a PRRI, the Public Research Religion Institute. Oh, you're doing a call to the audience, I see. We need a new drop, guys. Musically inclined Yeah, oh, because folks. they have so many studies we're going to be talking about. We, do not waste your me, time we for do the talk about this. We do talk about this very often, just as much as Pew. <laughs> it's just that Pew is more, more present in your head. Okay, so when we talked to Robert P. Jones, he was on the show. He wrote the book about white supremacy and Christianity, and he kind of... White too long. White too long. He The legacy of white supremacy in American Christianity. Nice. Thank you for... Teamwork. I, I know. I wouldn't have been able to do that without what you just said. So he teased this new report that was coming out, Dueling Realities. Amid, was, it, was it sexy when he did? Yeah. Amid multiple crises, Trump and Biden supporters see different priorities and futures for the nation. This is a very lengthy report. I can't even at all begin to even briefly describe the findings. But if you follow Robert P. Jones on Twitter, he's going through it and you should be following him anyway. But there's a few things that jumped out at me. The first thing is the corrupting influence of Fox News. Honestly. Cannot be overstated. That's something that jumped out to to me in this report is that Republicans who watch Fox News are unique in their views, more extreme in their views across the board than just Republicans who don't watch Fox News, who, who consume other sources of media. The few that don't, yeah. And um, one example of this is on the issue, uh, the role of race in protests. So within this survey that they did, they actually had a little experiment embedded into the survey. And what they did is that they divided their sample into two demographically identical subgroups, and they gave each of those subgroups a a nearly identical question, but it was different in that it specified the race of of Americans protesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the question is, or the statement It always makes our country better when blank speak up and protest unfair treatment by the government. And that option in the blank there is either Americans or black Americans. These results are fucking remarkable. Get ready for this. So, spoiler alert, there's significant differences (laughs) in, in, in opinions on these statements among white people overall, according to PRRI, but particularly among white subgroups, such as Republicans and evangelicals. Yeah. And if you listened to our bonus episode with Robert P. Jones, you will not be surprised by this finding. Quote, Republicans are 25 percentage points more likely to agree that protests make the country better when the statement does not mention black Americans than they are when the protesters are specified as black Americans. Yeah. So here's how that breaks down in numbers. 49% of Republicans, when it's just Americans protesting, agree that it always makes our country better when Americans speak up in protest. 
That number drops to 24% when you include the black qualifier on Americans. So you're looking at 49 versus 24% of Republicans. Now let's compare that with a Fox News Republican. Uh, Fox News Republicans. 47% favor the statement without black Americans. Just blanket American. When an American protests, 47% believe it is, it makes the country better. On board. However... Only 10% of Fox News Republicans say the same when it is black Americans. Yeah. Not racist at all. Just just happens. What a coincidence. Right. This, this was pretty fascinating to me, though. When you look at Democrats, actually, there's no change between Americans and black Americans on this statement. 71% of Democrats agree that it always makes our country better when Americans speak up and protest unfair treatment by the government, as well as black Americans. So there's no change. Zero percent difference. That is usually with anything, it's like a two or seven percent. Sometimes I'm like, what the fuck? Twelve percent of Democrats? Zero percent difference. That's for me that 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 buoys my spirit. Mm -hmm. It lets you know if you're a Democrat or you vote Democrat You're generally on the right side here. You're on a good team. Well, and this should be a wake-up call. This should be a wake-up call. I mean, outside of Robert P. Jones's book on the legacy of white supremacy in American Christianity, this should be a wake-up call of what is it about Fox News? What is it about Republicans? And we didn't go over the white evangelical Protestant, but it's very in line with Republicans and Fox News Republicans. Of course. What is it about white evangelical Protestants? What is going on within these communities that racism exists, racism continues. Proliferates. And no one is challenging it. No one seems to care. It's only being propped up. That That's... That's the, the the pattern in practice. That's for for decades, for years, for generations. Mm-hmm. It, it's the way of the world. It's not a humanitarian religion. It is not. So I want to go over one other part of this, and I'm reading directly from the report here. This is related to the slogan, defund the police. This may surprise some people. Quote, just under half of Republicans, 46%, compared to 75% of independents and 88% of Democrats, say that defund the police means redirecting funding. Less than 1 in 10, 8% of Republicans, compared to 37% of independents and 62% of Democrats, say they favor these goals. Republicans who trust Fox News most for television news, 63%, are even more likely to say that defund the police means completely eliminating police departments, and only 3% of them agree with the goals. So this is kind of what I'm talking about with the corrupting influence of Fox News. You have just under half of Republicans in this survey, 46%, that say that defending the police means redirecting funding to social services. Yeah. But then you have Fox News Republicans, 63%, saying that it means to get rid of police departments. Yeah, it's because Fox News doesn't, they don't feel it's their job to actually report on the news. They don't feel it's their job to report accurately. It's propagandized. That's what they do. Yeah. And it's obvious that's what they do. And the effects are right in 
in this data. It's profound. And I would recommend that anyone who cares about anything that is happening in 2020, the major issues of the day, whether it's protesting, defunding the police, Confederate flags and monuments, everything is in this report. Definitely check it out. It, it contains so much good information. You're definitely going to want to read it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Moving on. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So we were going to get to this if we had time, but I mentioned it, so now we're going to get to it. There's a report out that Joe Biden... I said he was running right. Joe Biden is actively vetting and considering. Well, let's not go as far as to say vetting, but certainly considering compiling a list of names of Republicans to include as with an active large role in his administration. This is according to reporting from Politico. Among the names being floated for possible Biden cabinet posts are Meg Whitman, the Uh, former ceo of ebay apparently she's the ceo of quibi now which is yeah quibi uh, i think also hewlett packard for a while isn't quibi that like mobile tv thing fuck idea um because you know what people love to do on their phones exclusively is watch tv (laughs) because i know when i'm watching tv and when you're watching tv even sometimes when you're watching the wire you're on your phone. I would never watch The Wire on my phone. Yeah, I need it on the big screen. How? Who's only watching the TV on the phone? It's dangerous to mention The Wire in my presence, by the way. I know. You're because... ready to go off on a whole thing. Okay, I won't. So, <laughs> Meg Whitman. Like, Quibby's a dumb fucking idea. Former Ohio Governor John Kasich. Yeah. I mean... Keep going. Uh, there's others. I mean, Kasich, I, I could see, at least I can kind of logically wrap my head around that ding dong being in there. Both of those people, by the way, Meg Whitman and John Kasich spoke at the Democratic National yeah. Convention in August. And then also Massachusetts Republican Governor Charlie Baker and former Senator Jeff Flake from Arizona. Jeff Flake is a he is a right wing conservative. Just because you're anti Donald Trump doesn't make you. Like a a reasonable moderate. Exactly, Lincoln Project. Exactly. Them too. That's why I just said that. I I am concerned about the way that the Lincoln Project is being supported. And I listen, they do great ads. They have great ads. It's a valiant attempt to fucking shift the Overton window. But remember who's running that organization and remember what their goals actually are. Yes, they may agree with you about Donald Trump, but that doesn't mean that they agree on your goals generally. Right, and that doesn't mean they're not vile, virulent racists either. That yes, exactly that. I mean, so, read through some of uh, Rick Wilson's tweets about Trayvon Martin. So, Ugh. so when asked for comment, according to Politico, a spokesperson for the Biden transition said only that the team is not making any personnel decisions before the November 3rd election, but stressed that diversity of ideology and background is a core value of the transition. Oh, oh, is that so? What are the, the names of progressives that they're considering? Mm-hmm. Are they considering Elizabeth Warren for Treasury Secretary? I hope so. It's just, it's, we don't need 
to kiss their asses. We don't need to hold hands with the Republicans going into the sunset. Members of the party of voter suppression. Members of the party of the Southern strategy. We don't have an obligation. We win on our ideas, and then we win and we move forward. And they acquiesce, they adjust their positions, or they get fucking bent. Well, it's the party of Mitch McConnell. And I I don't understand how you, they use the term extend an olive branch in this article, extending an olive branch across the aisle. That's not happening from Republicans. And and I'm not trying to make an argument of, oh, well, they're doing it, we can, because I... I definitely am not saying that, but at a certain point, there needs to be a stand that is taken here because Republicans continue to do the wrong thing, to lie and cheat, and at a certain point... And get rewarded for it. Yeah, at a certain point, the reward needs to stop. Yeah. In listen, Biden needs to be elected. This shouldn't be a reason that people don't vote for him because we need this nightmare to end. But this is incredibly disappointing. And it goes to what you said about once he's elected, there's yes. going to be a lot of pushback where please get prepared for where it necessary. because you might, you might not like it. Where necessary. It's not going to be constantly in opposition to Joe Biden when he does good things. But God damn it, if we're not all obligated to hold them accountable and hold their feet to the fire on good policy that helps Americans, that steps away from this 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 subservience to corporatism, to these companies that don't pay taxes, yet control the agenda of policy out of an administration. No more. We love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, email your voice memos to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Can we talk about can we talk about Jeffrey Tubin? Oh God. <laughs> oh dear Lord. So Jeffrey Tubin, well, first of all, let me play like 40 seconds of audio to remind you, if you're not a CNN viewer, who Jeffrey Tubin is. He is their chief justice analyst or legal analyst on the channel, always on. But here he is talking about Roe versus Wade in the wake of of the uh, Brett, Bart O'Kavanaugh, Boofer Kavanaugh um, confirmation. If you have a state that outlaws abortion, as we are almost certainly going to do in the next couple of years, even probably sooner, the court is going to have to either uphold Roe v. Wade or overturn Roe v. Wade. There is no way to decide that case without deciding the face of fate of Roe v. Wade. It is going to be overturned. It will be gone. There will be states in this country, probably a dozen or so, maybe more, where abortion is illegal. It will not change California. It will not change New York. Many states will still have abortion as available as it is today. But abortion will be illegal in a significant part of this country. So that's just a reminder of who he is. Smart guy. You've, if you've watched CNN for any period of time, you've likely seen him on there as yeah. a commentator. Well, he was also working for The New Yorker, and he has been suspended <laughs> Yeah, because he exposed himself during a Zoom call. Uh, but well, we'll, we'll get into exactly what yeah. happened there. But apparently what they were doing was there were several employees on the Zoom call, and they were prepping for election night coverage. And there was a 
pause in the call for breakout discussions on the Zoom meeting. And according to people that were familiar with the call, they don't say on the call, to people familiar with the call, Jeffrey Tubin switched to a second call that was the video call equivalent of phone sex. So that's according to reporting from the New York Times. I'm struggling to really make sense of what that means. There's maybe. a lot, a lot of vagary yeah. in, in the, every article I've read. A lot of vagary. Yes. So he gave a statement and he says, quote, I made an embarrassingly stupid mistake believing I was off camera. I apologize to my wife, family, friends, and coworkers. I thought I had muted the Zoom video. I thought no one on the Zoom call could see me. Originally, the reporting was just exposing himself. Like maybe stepped out of frame, he thought, and changed clothes. Right. And let his, his dingle dangle a little bit. Right. That's not what happened. Right. Jeffrey Tubin was jerking off. On camera, at work, on a Zoom call. Yes. Look at me. I had to beat off. I had to beat off the phony Mueller report. I had to beat <laughs> off all this stuff. I had to beat off impeachment. I had to beat off Congress. Everything else. So Jeffrey Tubin and Donald Trump have quite a bit in common. Public mm-hmm. beating off. Well, maybe not public, but at work. Yeah. So there's been a lot of discussion on about this on Twitter, and I. It's been really fascinating to watch because some of the people defending this as like a very normal thing that happens uh what's the big deal guys yeah i mean like liberal women i've seen yeah it's it's very strange i don't know how to make sense of those takes at all because listen he was on a zoom call for work and then he started allegedly jerking off on on camera on the call So there's many unanswered questions, okay, but just those facts in and of itself, that's a problem. I mean, listen, you're Jeffrey Tubin. We know that you have common sense. Go to the bathroom. I mean, that's that's one step right there that you can do, right? If you have some sort of urge that needs to be remedied immediately, which is, okay, interesting, then go to the bathroom. (laughs) Step away from your laptop. Yeah. I mean, you don't have a little slider thing to go over your camera, bare minimum. I mean, right? Well, they're not taking they're not taking security very seriously at all. I mean, we've got covers for our cameras, and we're not jerking off in front of our cameras. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, so I'm going to read Brian Stelter's take because Ugh. this is one that really stood out. So Brian Stelter works at CNN, Jeffrey Tubin's colleague. Je- uh, Brian Stelter is the media reporter. He reports on journalism and the media. So this is what he wrote on Twitter. Jeffrey Tubin has been sidelined at a pivotal moment in the run-up to the presidential election. The reason? He exposed himself during a Zoom call with New Yorker colleagues in what he says was an accident. Here's our full story. And the reason he's being dragged for this on Twitter is the phrasing, right? He's been sidelined at a pivotal moment in the run-up to the presidential election. What does the election have anything to do with whether or not he jerked off at work in front of people? Right, and maybe possibly to his coworkers on the video call. Do you get what I'm saying? Oh, Looking yeah. at female or yeah. whatever well, some, people. Something was going on. On the call. I mean, there's so many 
there's so many variables that that make this concerning. Why are men in positions of power such creepy motherfuckers? Allegedly. We'll, we'll go with allegedly, I guess. But there's a lot of them. You know what I mean? Well, and to be granted the benefit of the doubt always. I tell you what. Must be nice. We're going to stop. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I don't get it. And I'm not even talking about the benefit of the doubt or the power or whatever. It's why is there always a uh, like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to get over and no one's going to know. And I don't know. Like there I don't know if this is his, his deal, but there's I think there's a lot of dudes who get off on getting away with something they're not supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And listen. All of the liberals and even progressives and leftists that I've seen defend this, like it's no big deal. He's jerking off in front of women who don't want to see that at work. What if he's in his fucking cubicle just wanking away and you pass by and you're like, ah, fucking Jeff. He's at (laughs) it again. Oh, my God. Just working himself over over in his cubicle. Oh, that's a problem, is it not? It's so why is it di- why is it different if it's on a fucking Zoom call and, he, and he's in his 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 den or his study or whatever the fuck? Well, and that's what that's what's interesting is I've seen people say this is going to create an environment in which bosses are granted more power over what you're doing at home. What? How about this grants people this gives people more fear? Over what could potentially be happening behind the screen yeah. while they're on a video Zoom call. It just, listen, he's jerking off while on the clock. And it's not even like, a, oh, this is a slippery slope. All the bosses are going to be able to tell you what you can and can't do. We're not talking about everything. We're talking, You can't jerk off. You can't. Th- listen, if you're in public and you expose yourself. That's a crime, brother. This is what's this is what's fascinating is the Me Too movement happened <laughs> and everyone was so happy about the pro- the progress that was made. Not everybody, but but a lot of women were excited about the progress that was made. Yeah. And now here we are with what seems to be like a basic question about yeah. is it okay <laughs> to jerk off on a work call in front of everybody it seems like a basic question and there's people arguing about it that the lines of what is work versus home have been obscured by the pandemic and now this is a cloudy area you, you know what okay maybe so but i think it's pretty easy to solve if you're in view of your co-workers even if you're in your living room it's unacceptable to take your dick out and give it a little tug. Just stop it. Take your dick out. You don't even need the tug part. It's oh, that's true. Taking <laughs> that's, the dick out true. is end of list. You don't need to add. You don't need to add a tug or any other kind of action. Just yeah, but the I mean, dick being present is enough. Like, listen. And it, let, let's say, let's say, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. And I like Jeffrey Tubin. I mean, it bums me out that I wasn't the first one to think of me Tubin. <laughs> wow. He got me tubin. Oh, wow. Because his name is T-O-O-B-I-N. Mm-hmm. God damn it. I wish I was more creative. <laughs> that person who thought of that is super creative. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Where did they get it? Good genes, I bet. So, e- listen, even if you make a mistake and you happen to be pantsless 
underwearless on your Zoom call. <laughs> and you get up and your your dingle dangles, your dick flops around on camera. That's grounds for a firing. Because you need to be more... Have your shit together more and, and, and take your job a little bit more seriously than your dick may be falling out of your pants on a call. Yeah. The you're bottom at work. You're at fucking work. The bottom line is, why has this continued? Uh, this seems like a basic question. I re- truly, if someone's listening to this, though, and they're like, wow, they're really missing an important variable here that makes it Please. okay that he's jerking off on a work call. We would love to hear your argument. Yeah, listen, I I really, I tried to moderate my response because I can come across as, I don't know if you know, Brittany, but a little intense sometimes. Sure, sure. And I didn't want to alienate some listeners who might think this is A-OK, who might think that it's a normal course of order to go onto a work Zoom call and see Jeffrey Tubin tugging away. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted to, I didn't come at this as, as hard as, no pun intended, as I, as I could ever wanted to, because I do want to leave it open to the audience to... Sound off about if they disagree. But it's also, no one is saying that Jeffrey Tubin's life should be ruined. No one is saying that he should be dead. I, I mean, everyone's acting like the fact that he's getting a critical response to something that was very terrible is unacceptable and life-ending for him. I'm sure it's not great to be on the receiving end of an internet backlash so large. But again... <laughs> You work for the New Yorker. You're prepping for and election CNN. night coverage. Yeah. You have the you have this massive platform and you have the ability to influence millions of people. You have power. And with power comes increased responsibility. And at a and ho- minimum hopefully increased standards. And at a minimum, you shouldn't be jerking off on your work call. Seems like a, a pretty Pretty fair ask, I think. It's harsh, Brittany. Yeah. That's harsh. That's prick shit, bro. That's prick shit. All right. Speaking of prick shit, let's talk about my favorite guy who might not be here with us very much longer. So we want to do as many stories about him while he's still alive. We're talking about the 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 skeleton with but with skin stretched around it into human form. Pat Robertson, everybody. Are the end times coming again? Apparently, they're coming real quick. Again? The end times come at you fast. <laughs> you better be ready when they hit you. I, and I don't mean the end times are coming again. I mean, is he predicting that they're coming again? Oh, yeah. How many times has he predicted that the end times are coming? Well, he did it in 1976. He says the world was going to end in, in at the end of the year in, in 1982. Mm. And then in 1990, he wrote a book. That the world was going to be destroyed mm. on April 29th, 2007. See, That's what a are we, real specific date. What are we supposed to believe, you guys? I mean, I'm really torn here. It, it seems like he's kind of credible, but ooh, that's a lot of times to be wrong. You, know what, right? I have, you know what I have to say about that, Brittany? She's not a Christian! <laughs> you no. need to... You, that's blasphemy, lady. No one knows that I think he's credible, right? 
everyone understands I was not being serious. No one thinks you think he's credible. You said no one knows I think he's credible, no right? One, no one thinks. That's that's a drop. No one I'm thinks. right. I'm right in the fucking you're, no, time. No, you're down. correct. You're correct. No one. <laughs> no, I wrote the time down. That's a fucking drop, y'all. Oh shit. Anyway, this is coming from Pat Robertson. Apparently, he's got a bat phone to Jesus, uh, and uh, God told him that Donald Trump's going to be reelected, and even more than that. There's going to be a war. Ezekiel 38 is going to be the next thing down the line. Then a time of peace. Then maybe the end. But nobody knows the day or the hour when the Lord's going to come back. He said the angels don't know it. And only the Father knows it. So I'm not saying this is the second coming. But I am saying there are things that people have thought would be during a millennial time with the coming of Jesus that are going to happen in our lifetime. And uh, the next thing is the election that's coming up in just a few weeks, at which time, according to what I believe the Lord told me, the president is going to be reelected. I'm, not, I'm, I'm saying by all means, get out and vote, to, vote for whoever you want to vote for. But by all means, let your voice be heard. But it's going to lead to civil unrest of great proportion. Then a war against Israel and so forth and so on. And then he yada yada yadas a war against Israel. There and, were there were a lot of yada yada yadas. Yeah, and so on and so forth. The war against Israel. Yeah, this fucking bag of bones is goddamn ninety years old. Wow, it's something I don't understand. Having grown up in this particular faith tradition, mm-hmm. how is it that you can be wrong? Time after time after time after time in your claims that Jesus spoke to you. That you got on the bat phone to God and he said, hey, listen, everybody, I got some I got some deets. Put your ear close to the phone because I'm going to tell you some real special shit. And then you're wrong. And notice with those dates that I gave you that in 76... He said the world would end in 82. Hmm. And then in 1990, he said it was going to end in 2007. So he's kind of giving himself enough time for people to forget that he's making those predictions. Either forget or he really believes that Jesus is coming back and that he's given himself enough runway that it'll likely happen before then. Mm. You know what I mean? Interesting. But here we are. I mean, he's not going to laugh. He's 90 years old. Mm-hmm. He yeah. barely has the energy to actually form words. Yeah. And he's telling us that God's telling him Donald Trump's going to win again. Right. And he also, he he gives himself a little cover there. Vote for whoever you want. Well, but God yeah. says that Trump is going to be reelected. Now, do you want to support God in what he says is going to happen or not? Th- that's because he's from an old school understanding uh, the Johnson Amendment. Which is, he might lose his tax-free status if he endorses a candidate. So he just does it surreptitiously. I mean, it's, exactly is it right. even That's surreptitious? Exactly right. It's very, no. it seems very direct. That's why he makes a point to say, I mean, oh, vote for whoever you want to. You want to, you know, exercise the franchise, y'all. But God is on That's Donald right. Trump's side. That's right. So, Jesus. Hint, hint. Absolutely. Hint, hint. Hmm. Ah, I love him. I really, it saddens me to know that. I think that's going to be the drop, that, actually. That, that drop is uh, is going away. We'll have to find somebody else to attach it to. Well, I think, I think 
that will happen. So anyway, we were going to talk about Donald Trump walking out on Leslie Stahl for her 60-minute interview, but how about that? Here, here, I tell you what. This just in, Donald Trump walked out on Leslie Stahl from the White House interview for 60 minutes. <laughs> that- That's it. We just reported on it. Okay, wow. And then... Um, he really did that, though. I kind of want to generally talk about how... I mentioned it in in a video that's coming out tomorrow, but it, it is it, it's odd that Donald Trump is not trying to build the coalition. Maybe I mentioned it today. I don't know. I say shit, so um, he's not trying to why, broaden his base. All he's doing is appealing to the same knuckleheads that got him elected before, with his racism and his insanity and his and his in his. Really, just abject disrespect for them, even. But he's fixating right now really hard on Anthony Fauci. There was a campaign call the other day, two days ago, on which he called Anthony Fauci and his people idiots, these idiots, and went on to say that if he had taken Anthony Fauci's advice, 500,000 people would be be dead. And then seconds later, it inflated magically to 700,000 and then 800,000. Listen to this call and then, uh, I don't know, try to keep yourself sober in the meantime. People are tired of hearing Fauci and all these idiots, these, these people, these people that have gotten it wrong. Fauci's a nice guy. He's been here for 500 years. He called every one of them wrong, and he's like this wonderful guy, a wonderful sage telling us out. He said, do not wear face masks like a number of months ago. He said, do not close it up to China. Don't, I, I have a list of 15 things this guy. And yet, we keep him. Every time he goes on television, there's always a bomb. But there's a bigger bomb if you fire him. But Fauci's a disaster. I mean, this guy's, if I listen to him, we have 500,000 deaths. And let me tell you one other thing. We saved 2.2 million people. If we didn't do what we did and close it and do it just right now, we're opening it. But we'd never close it again. It would never close. It'll never close again because we know the disease. But Fauci, if we listen to him, we have 700, 800,000 deaths right now. So with that, I get along with him. If there's a reporter on, you can have it just the way I said I couldn't get along. So obviously that's not true. Obviously, none of that is true. Yeah, we we all know that Donald Trump is attack, attacking Dr. Fauci because he's insecure and feels vulnerable about how he's not as smart or capable as Dr. Fauci and not as well liked. Certainly, I was going to say not as popular, not as well trusted, not as popular, all of the above. I. I know that Dr. Fauci has become somewhat of a symbol and he is admired by many liberals. I think for some, it's primarily because he's viewed as going against Donald Trump. But I have consumed a lot of Dr. Fauci media over the past few (laughs) weeks, I guess I would say. I listened to his podcast with Alan Alda. Yes, I listened to Alan Alda's podcast. And I listened to him on with uh, da- David Axelrod, the let, Axe Files. Let me, let me preface what you're getting ready to say by saying that being anti-Trump, like we talked about earlier, doesn't make us a fan of you. 
So you're you're not a fan of Fauci because he's he's some foil for Trump. Just like I'm not a fan of Rick Wilson because he's anti-Trump. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And everybody should should try to tap into that. Well, and that that was the point I was getting at. Uh, so thank you for making it before Sorry. I made it, uh, and also in the middle of me talking. But I I also watched him on sixty minutes, and one thing about Dr. Fauci is that he's a genuinely good person, and I feel as though he is motivated to do well for the world, and that yeah. that is his life's purpose, and. He doesn't get along with Donald Trump. That's something that that has happened. He's worked under like six presidents, I think. And this is the first time he's needed a security detail to travel with him. That's horrifying. And why do you think that is? It's because of what you just heard. Donald Trump calling him an idiot and making dangerous claims about him. Maligning him out on the campaign trail at his super spreader rallies. Right. So it's upsetting because we need people like Dr. Anthony Fauci to be in the halls of power. We need people like that to stay. And Donald Trump is making it very difficult. Luckily, Dr. Fauci seems pretty unflappable. Uh, he, yeah. he became upset um, on 60 Minutes when he was talking about his daughters and his wife being targeted by the harassment. But outside of that, he seems pretty unflappable. And so I, I just hope that Donald Trump doesn't win this fight and that Anthony Fauci stays right where he is. It also says something to me about him and his character that he's also he's refusing to leave. Yeah, because he knows he's the best man for the job. And it's important that he stay for the sake and the health and the well-being of the nation. Right. And uh, he's not going to be run off by this fucking coward, Donald Trump. Yeah. So that's good. Definitely. Anyway, we're going to end with this. Uh, Donald Trump was in Erie, Pennsylvania tonight. And in kind of a, as an extension to what I'm talking about him, with no cohesive strategy, campaign strategy, I'm sure the people who are running his campaign are losing their minds right now. Because when he's trying to shore up votes in an important state like Pennsylvania, he's telling them, that he wouldn't even be here. I wouldn't even be here to see you if I didn't need the votes. I, because, you know, before the plague came in, I had it made. I wasn't coming to Erie. I, I mean, I have to be honest. There's no way I was coming. I didn't have to. I would have called you and said, hey, Erie, you know, if you have a chance, get out. But we had this thing won. We were so far up. We had the greatest economy ever, greatest jobs, greatest everything. And then we got hit with the plague. And I had to go back to work. Hello, Erie. May I please have your vote? And then, at the very end, when he's signing off in conclusion, he's talking about how cold it is. He's got to get these people home because he needs them not to get sick because he needs their vote. And in conclusion, we'll make this a little shorter. You know, it's like about 40 degrees. I don't want people, I don't want to lose anybody. You got to go vote. So we're going to go a little shorter because you got to go vote. And I see... Uh, even Mike, he's so brave, he's starting to freeze his ass off over there. He said, okay, look, I proved my point. Let's say, President, let's get me the hell out of here. Who, who wants to go stand around and listen to this, honestly? I don't know. I, I, it's not entertaining. It's not funny. Also, and it's cold, is what they're saying. So you're standing there in the cold yeah. for hours. I mean, I can hardly stand for an hour for a concert. And I know that really yeah. ages me right now. But <laughs> come on, what what is going on? I'll tell you what, that Steely Dan concert we went to pre-COVID, 
was pretty great because we sat the entire time. No yeah. one got up in the entire forum. Yeah, at the Steely Dan concert. Correct. Correct. <laughs> and that the is Doobie true. Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone was like, we're just going to sit and relax. Yeah. No need to stand. But listen to this. Th- this is... There's... The president of the United States of America is a fucking court jester. He's a clown. And there's still a certain percentage of the population that laps it up, that loves it. I think it boils down to just a a fundamental lack of understanding of our former position in the world and what a president stands for, represents, and is capable of. Anyway, we'd love to know what you think on these and all matters. 657-464-7609. Email, I doubt it, at dollamore.com. Is there anything else, Brittany Page? We are going to be doing a debate episode. The final presidential debate will be Thursday, and we are planning to watch it in its entirety. If it happens. If it happens. Who knows? (laughs) And we are going to record an episode that night and put it up for you, so be on the lookout for that. And if you have thoughts during the debate, we encourage you to call in. We can uh, include those in the episode. We love you guys. We will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore. And this has been I Doubt It.